Welcome to the OC Bitches. Welcome to the OC Bitches. How are you this fine day? <laughs> I'm good. I'm really good, actually. I'm uh, in a pretty good space. So to do this today is, is, was a good call. Good call. Yeah. It was a good call. Well, let's yeah. tell our, our listeners who's talking right now because we are so, so happy to have the Patrick Norris. Um, one of our favorite directors, I mean, personally, for sure, from the OC. Also, mm. Patrick and I have worked together on Heart of Dixie, and he's done so many amazing things. I think you did six episodes over the course of the series of the OC, which, yeah, something, right? Like six episodes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you have such a long career. Uh, you've directed over 150 hours of television. Some but of the shows. Who would have known? <laughs> known? Mindy, you want to say some of the shows? Yeah, no. Oh, I mean, some of the shows? Some well, of the shows. Yeah, well, you, let's, <laughs> including Gossip Girl, Chuck, Friday Night Lights, Heart of Dis- uh, Dixie, Nashville, just to name a few. But I have to tell you, Patrick, when I was doing the research, I couldn't find much more than your <laughs> resume, except not even where you were born or your birthday. Um, tell me. Yeah, that's top, that's top secret. <laughs> Apparently. That's top secret. I was actually made, I was, I was created in a Petri dish back in the 50s. It was a <laughs> very, very crazy lab out there. And I think it was Inglewood or something. <laughs> well, Are you just, from here, Patrick? You're local. I am. I'm from California. I'm actually a native. And um, I grew up in the San Fernando Valley. Hey, me uh, too. Yeah, oh, did you really? Yeah. Oh, how nice. Sure I, went, I actually walked out of Van Nuys High in the 10th grade. I was done. Um, <laughs> so, and hit the streets because there was all kinds of hippie action going on. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, well, good oh my- for you. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> well, I'm we, a Valley boy. Yeah, I love it. Valley girl, Valley boy. So you, yeah. Rachel, you grew up in, common. The, in the Valley as well. I did. I did, yes. I went to Notre Dame. I don't know, Patrick. Of course. I went to a lot of your carnivals. There, Yeah, yeah. we had good carnivals. Speaking sure. of, like in this episode. Yeah, right? I know. It ties into the episode we're going yeah. over today. Crazy metaphor there. I right. mean, we didn't even plan right. it. <laughs> and I was, I was from the world of, like, you might say Ryan. Uh, I was a... Uh, I was a juvenile delinquent, mm-hmm. and to the best part, and spent a lot of time in and out of Selmar Juvenile Hall out in the valley there. Yeah. Uh, incorrigible, for sure. <laughs> uh, but that said, uh, that is one of the things that connected me to the OC when I read, I, I watched the pilot, and I went, oh, my God, I know this kid. And, uh, you know, in, in story, and... Uh, I was really, really interested in what the whole concept was around this one kid coming into this neighborhood. I mean, Van Nuys. Did you live in Van Nuys growing up? I lived all over the valley growing up. Just Um, all over, yeah. Yeah, my mom was a single mom, and she worked in the business, and Mm -hmm. she raised five kids, so we'd constantly move. Oh, wow. Yeah, we used to move all around the valley. But I knew the valley well. It was my stomping grounds Mm -hmm. all through the Mm -hmm. 60s. So you started— what I, I read in the costume department or had you done things before? Because becoming a director isn't easy. Some people, like we talked to Tate Donovan, he got to shadow and become a director on the OC. And then Norman Buckley, our editor, became a director. How did you get into that? Did you start in costume? What What's your journey? Yeah, I got a job in 1973 in the laundry room at Warner Brothers. Oh, nice. And it's a time when you could apply for work. And, uh, you know, at a studio, they literally had employment offices. And so I applied for this job and I got it. So I was in the laundry room and I was on the original Kung Fu with David Carradine. Wow. And uh, yeah, yeah. And it was really, really absolutely cool to start my career that way. 
uh, in the laundry room. Because uh, <laughs> you know, I was just about, you know, it was about, you know, uh, washing a lot of clothes, uh, Western clothes and stuff from mm-hmm. all the bad guys and cowboys rolling in the dirt and then washing them and then taking that and putting them in the dryer and, you know, getting stoned and washing the dryer for about four hours. And, <laughs> You know, what a great way to break in. Well, and that's this industry. That's well-respected. A lot of times, you know, nepotism is looked down upon. But when you start at the bottom, whether it's the laundry room or the mail room, and you know every Mm -hmm. aspect of this industry, that's, you know, to our listeners, people who are interested in this, that's really, you know, that's really the norm. Um, You don't necessarily go to film school and just get the job as a director right away. You kind of have to learn everything. Right. And that's, and, and has that been your experience? You know, mm-hmm. it's interesting because I, I had worked uh, literally 22 years below the line before I became a director and mm-hmm. got the opportunity. Wow. And uh, I started in the laundry room and I came up through costume and I was a set costumer on the Waltons. Uh, <laughs> I got, I got put on the Waltons because there was no Betty Ford at the time. So they moved everybody to the Waltons to get them straight. Uh, <laughs> you know, it was like the family show. So uh-huh. after Kung Fu, that's where I went. And then uh, I just continued my career in costume and became a key costumer. Mm-hmm. And then I became a costume designer. And I was on 30-something. Was uh, The last <laughs> show I did was My So-Called Life. That's the last co- show oh. I costumed. And that's where I made my directing deal. If I came to costume. I won two Emmys for 30-something. Uh-huh. And they, they offered me My So-Called Life. And I said, if you guys let me direct an episode, I'm there. That's and, how it um, works, right? And that's, that's how I so got it. Cool. I, I put it in a deal. Wow. Yeah. So your first episode, your direct your directorial debut was on My So-Called Life. Yes. That's, that's, that's awesome. pretty epic, I have to say. That was also the last costume <laughs> show I designed. I remember, is it Melissa Mayron's coat? On oh, sure. the numbered coat. And I remember. Oh, Melanie, I, yeah, Melanie Mayron. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Mel- Melanie Mayron. I remember right. watching that show um, as a young actress and thinking, it's so cool and realistic that she repeats this signature coat because we all wear the same thing all the time. And on the right. OC, I don't think we ever repeated anything, did we, Rachel? <laughs> what? I need clothes? Clothes, yeah. It's I no- don't think... It's not normal necessarily it's to do that. It's not normal, but I like it because it's more real. <laughs> it's, absolutely. You know? like, I think on Heart of Dixie, we did. I remember that being a point. Like, let's reuse something. Let's make it a little more real. But yeah, the OC, I feel like, was a one and done every time. Wow. I think. Did your eye for costume lend itself to directing or give you a different or a uh, unique perspective? Or I, I think I have uh, somewhat of a uh, of a an imaginary uh, palette outside the box of most directors, mm-hmm. um, where I actually look for color and I look. I really don't look at costume anymore. It's like none of my business. Well, <laughs> but uh, no, really, because. You know, I used to get notes from executives and people about pe- what people were wearing. Because first of all, costume design is between the actress and the and 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 the designer, and that's you know, it's a very personal area what what people wear. Mm-hmm. And um, so I always tried to respect that. But I get crazy notes from people and decided, you know, I don't want to be that person when I move on. I don't want to give people notes on their creative stuff um, or their choices. I'd rather just film it. And go mm-hmm. for this, right? And if I don't, if I don't like the outfit, I'll squeeze in the lens. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like That's so simple. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have to say, Patrick. Anytime, if I were like to see that you were going to direct the episode, I it was always, I was so excited. We're just 
every well, you bring so much to the set and and the environment and how you shoot. I remember Dax Shepard and I bonding over you, like having a conversation because I because I'm pretty sure you worked with him on Parenthood. Or, yeah, Parenthood. Right? Yeah, I love him. Yeah, fun. and I remember it's just like going on and on because you are oh, the I shit. So appreciate that. I mean, that. without like lack of a better expression, you're the shit, Patrick. <laughs> I'll be the shit. That's cool with me, man. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I think my it, own flies. I think it could be noted um, when it on a, in the first season of a series. Oftentimes, they're they're trying out directors. We had twenty seven episodes, and there's so many directors that didn't come back. And is it true that you are almost auditioning to be asked back, possibly? Or I know that we had. More yeah, right heat. now I'm hoping they bring it back. I'm just auditioning to get back <laughs> on it. I really, I miss you guys. Oh. Uh, no, it's always the first time out. Is always, you know, I went into that episode with, you know, I watched it for the first time in years. Uh, I watched it twice. Uh, the Heights yesterday. <laughs> okay. Yeah, the, the one we're talking and, about and today. today. Yes. Yeah, and um, they weren't real happy with it uh, really? when I what? turned it in. Yeah. At least that's what I heard through my agents. And they weren't going to give me any more episodes, basically. Mm. I, they weren't going to offer me any. Um, and um, I was, you know, I had this thing going on during the process of shooting that episode, a lot of stuff mm. going on in my own life. Mm-hmm. And um, I tried to keep it to the side and all that. But um, I really wanted to do this show. There was no doubt about it. I was, you know, I was literally in the teen world anyways, you know, and mm-hmm. and my it seems like my whole life has been in the even currently has been in teen shows and stuff and uh younger just younger storytelling. Mm-hmm. And um when I heard about Josh Schwartz and his creative energy and his storytelling and you know Bob De Laurentiis and all these these wonderful people that were being hyped up to me, and I saw the pilot, and I went, oh, my God, I really got to do this. Uh, the thing I didn't explain was, you know, I had just coming out of, personally, uh, seven months of uh, chemotherapy. Oh, and it, this was my first show back in the system, and first episodic show. And the thing that was going on is I had to go on with three more months of radiation every day. So what would happen is I kind of kept it a secret, told my agent at the time, Jack Layton, yeah, I want to do the show. I'm done with chemo. I'm ready to get back. And I got this place, Santa Monica Radiology, to open up every morning at 5.30 a.m. so I could make a 7 o'clock call. I figured that was, you know, kind of a good way to handle it. So during production, I didn't tell anybody about this. So I'd go to radiation like at 5.30 in the morning, take, you know, it was actually lying was faster than Starbucks, so it was much better. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so I just get in, I'd get about, you know, 7 million volts and then I'd head out for the day uh, and come to the OC set. Incredible. And uh, so I think um, I was a little off for sure. Mm. So I had to come clean with that after I heard the results. I'm sorry for the long story. But no. after I heard the results of what they thought of my work. And then uh, De Laurentiis had said, well, maybe he was a little off. We'll give him another chance. Maybe he was off his game. And they gave me another chance I was really grateful for. So then I got to keep coming back because the next one, 
I was finished with radiation, and then I was just smoking weed, so it was perfect. <laughs> right. <laughs> I but, love that story. No, <laughs> thank you Patrick, for sharing yeah, that. Yeah, really yeah. special to share that and be so open, you know, about it all. And I remember well, yeah, learning that back then. Yeah, and just being like, wow, like, he showed up every day, and you were going through all of those things. But yeah. No one would have known, which is. But also no, the fact my, that you. My you, hair was just growing back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you went, you decided to share. And, you know, sometimes Hollywood does have a heart, you know, because I, <laughs> I think a lot of times it, it brings up something from, you know, when you're on a series, we had so much fun on the show and we got to go to, mm-hmm. I, I was so excited to go to go to work all the time, but not every day was perfect in my personal life. But sometimes you got to leave that at home and and right. and you're tired. Right. And I remember one time getting a call that my daughter, yeah, she's sick and she has pneumonia and going, oh, I, I want to go home. You, I can't leave. Right. You know, you've got unions and you've got you've got schedules to keep. And and I don't think people realize just how down to the minute these days are scheduled and we have to right. get them done. And it's your job as a director to move it along. And you've got a shot list and you've got a certain amount of pages to get done. And we do a lot in television. Right. And you don't get right. sick days. <laughs> yeah. And we don't get like, to take no, off. No. Yeah. yeah. And, and your story kind of resonates with me in that, that you're going to make time for your chemo, your radiation, so that you can make the set. I mean, Hollywood is, <laughs> it can be a pretty, pretty <laughs> Harsh uh, industry, right? Well, you know, it's interesting because my mom was in the business and she was a production designer and mm. costume mm. designer. And mm-hmm. and to be able to see her leave every day, you know, and being left with a nanny or left with my grandma or whatever, um, she had she had definitely given to me the gift of be responsible, show up no matter what. And right. if you have to <laughs> crawl in, you crawl in. And literally out of, Okay, this will be, and I, I'm dating myself, but I'm in my 49th year in the business, basically, or 48th year. <laughs> wow. And I have to say, I, I didn't miss, I missed a few days early on because that was during the 80s when there was a lot of blow and alcohol involved. But, <laughs> but you know, back in our time, uh, I haven't missed any days as a director in any project. I've been sick, I've been whatever, but I've always showed up. And I learned that a lot from my mom. I remember... I think this happened to Kelly. It happened to me on on, on Nikita. I my voice was down here. I mean, I completely mm. lost my voice, and we still mm-hmm. shot. But guess who had to ADR, which is the which is additional oh. dialogue yeah. you, recording. You have to go in and do your do dialogue your dialogue and, and match it and because they, yeah, <laughs> it was just. And Kelly actually lost her voice once, and it was so bad. I remember doing a scene with her, um, and she had to do the same thing. So. Yeah, unless you're literally um, in a coma in the hospital, you're pretty <laughs> you much expected <laughs> to show up. Yeah. 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 I've had people show up and, you know, like they've had to do like love scenes or whatever. And they're like, you know, and they're Fever. ill. And yeah. And it's yeah. like, it's it's like, that's just got to be so awkward. It's like. It is. And, you yeah. know, makeup, makeup or run in and they, and they give you Listerine <laughs> to like rinse out your mouth, like before Blow your or after. And try. Yeah. I mean, it's really <laughs> cute. I mean, yeah. it's, it's a real cute yeah, it's experience. It's always fun to see, see some of your partner hurl in a butt camp somewhere off stage and then come to a kissing scene. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. It all yeah, happens. But, <laughs> the glamour. The glamour everyone doesn't glamour. see. <laughs> I'm not in this episode. I don't know if you guys noticed, but <laughs> I noticed that. I, but I, 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 I didn't it, miss me. 
<laughs> oh my god! Oh, mini. You know, I watched eight. I watched eight and nine together, so I just assumed you were in the whole thing. Um, <laughs> right. Her oh presence gosh, wait, is so aren't. powerful. <laughs> it is. It just carries on no matter what. That's right. That's right. But I was oh, so wow. fascinated by, um, um, like how it. Just talking about this, since we're talking about life, but how is let's um, seg- segueing into your philosophy on the set because directors mm. oftentimes in television you guys are guests just like we are but then when you get to repeat you've you've um, gained the trust of the actors and the you know I remember our set being particularly easygoing I've been on some that aren't where you know the AD right. is kind of a mm-hmm. taskmaster and and mm-hmm. um, how do you keep it positive and fun but really still get those days done I, I, from, How do you keep it positive and fun, but really still get those days done? I, I, for me, it's, you know, I look at it like if my parents dropped me off on a play date. I mean, I walk <laughs> in and literally there's $4 million worth of equipment standing around. There's 100 people moving mm-hmm. around. And I just try to come in and enjoy the vibe and the work. And sometimes it's stressful and sometimes that'll bleed through. But I am, um, I love creative people. Mm-hmm. I just love being around creative people. That's one thing I've noticed during the, the pandemic that I've missed a lot. And um, I mean, there's creative people in my life, but it's not the same thing of when you roll in and all of a sudden you know you're going to hang with these people for 12 hours, 13, 14 hours. Mm-hmm. You've got to keep your, you got to keep your energy. You got to keep your, your vibe up. You know, you really have yeah. to, let people go through whatever they need to experience, especially with actors, you know, let them do their thing. Let them bring what they've studied all night to bring out to you and don't micromanage and don't marionette them. So I try to let you have a little bit of freedom, basically, and come out and play, too. That mm-hmm. I, I really do think um, that Peter and Adam had this real mm-hmm. loose sense, and I think we all vibed off that, you know, doing this podcast. I loved- yeah, I, I love there was, you know, they've only they only did a couple scenes together in this particular episode. But when they're in the kitchen trying mm-hmm. to figure out what to do with Ryan and he's sitting there, it's like it's one of my it's favorite classic. scenes. It's <laughs> one of my favorite scenes. And then uh, my other favorite scene is when they're all sitting around the table after just having the shittiest day of their life. And Seth right. is trying to have good energy. Um, that is such a simple scene where nobody talked but Seth. But it's the only scene where nobody talked where you could actually see what they were feeling. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I wrote that right? down when I was watching. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, why don't we talk about what the episode is that we're going to be going over Yeah, you today. just talked okay. about the opening of the show. So the perfect, yeah. perfect. Perfect timing. <laughs> um, yeah. But the, the, you know, the synopsis is um, Ryan doesn't feel like he belongs at Harbor and Luke isn't helping the situation. Summer keeps her friendship with Seth private, but is jealous of his relationship with Anna. Sandy accepts a case against Caleb at his new job that will test his relationship with Kirsten. That's it in a nutshell. Yeah. The episode. Uh, it is season one, episode nine, called The Heights, right? Yeah. It was, it was written by Deborah J. Fisher and Erica Messer and directed by our Patrick Norris here. Yes. And yes. it's the first oh, day of Harbor School. And right. you just described the kitchen scene. Um, and that's exactly what I wrote. Peter is so funny here. He loves teasing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's really weird. You know, I, if I were to give a note in that very first scene, mm-hmm. I would say, Peter, don't be so creepy. 
Um, <laughs> there's, it's, it's like he's going to eat them or something, his joy of being with them. <laughs> he, did, um, he did have that big kind of cheddar, yeah, cheddar he had a big, grin. He has a, he's, he's the warmest, most loveliest actor in the world. And he, he, you know, and I get it. I get where he's coming from, you know, and his support system with the boys and stuff. But that was a little creepy in there. I wish I had told him <laughs> I love <laughs> it. I noticed, like, you know, even just from a directing standpoint like how you go like orange juice to orange juice and then we lead to the next scene with summer and marissa at jimmy's before the first day of school um you know there's little things you don't like when i was younger watching i don't see those things but now being older and having done it for a minute i'm like oh like looking at all the choices um there's a lot of choices and and uh you know one of the i, I think it was i'm pretty sure it was matt ramsey who um was one of our editors who was the editor yeah, yeah and i yeah. love him he's now a director somewhere uh, but, uh, uh, you know, they make some choices for you, which is great. And you mm-hmm. get in and they, they find a lot of those transitions and mm-hmm. stuff, which is good. Some are definitely intentional. Right. Uh, but I've seen cuts where that's been taken out or, you know, anything I've set up sometimes have been taken out through a different TV shows, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just try to give them as much as possible to play with. So a lot of choices come out of those back to back. I'm not a big fan of the dialogue back to back. Like, mm-hmm. you know, have a perfect day, have a perfect day. Right. I'm going to do this. I feel like I'm there was some that. of that in this episode. Yeah, there's there? a lot of that. Yeah, uh, yeah. there is. But, but that's what they want. So that's what they do. Right. Um, They're still experimenting in this beginning, you know, in this first season, I think, with what works too, right? Yeah, I think so. You know, it, when you come in as an episodic director and you're handed like episode nine, you're really hoping that by episode nine, everybody's mm-hmm. worked out their characters and who they are and, you know, what's going on and, you know, with their storylines. And mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the times that's not the case. And actually, I thought um, a lot of the cast had their characters in order here and figured out what they were doing and stuff. And then I thought some were a little bit weaker and still kind of trying to find it. Um, mm-hmm. But trying to be conscious of the idea that you know they've been given notes they know like one of my favorite delays in 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 waiting for somebody to come to the set this is one of my favorite things <laughs> and it's like they're on the phone with josh schwartz i go really Oof. and they go yeah they, they want to know if they can wear their sunglasses <laughs> and it was like everybody, <laughs> it's like the dialogue was cool and stuff they just want to know if they can wear their sunglasses <laughs> so um and, and which I, what I loved about that is something that I learned uh, even is that the fact that the reason that was always asked about was because there were some scenes you really wanted to see their eyes and their reactions and their mm-hmm. feelings mm-hmm. and emotions. And you can't get that same thing through the glasses. Right. right. So if it was something that would lay in continuity and end up somewhere, they'd say, no, please don't wear them or whatever, you know. And, um, and being people of the OC with money, you know, it's like, how much money do you have if you don't have cool sunglasses? I mean, give me a break here. You know. Sunglasses can remember, be a big yeah. deal in a any deal. television or film. Yes. I right. remember <laughs> fighting for them hard on a during a beach scene because my the sun and the wind, like I couldn't stop crying and my makeup was coming off. Yeah. And I was like, you guys, like I have to wear sunglasses. Like, I was, get there was it. no option. And they weren't, you know, usually they the props or whatever, they make it so the reflection isn't as bad with the camera, but these were just like mine I had in my purse and we just yeah. went with it. Right. Um, <laughs> which is funny. But um, 
You know, another thing I noticed, like, I don't know if this was the first time this happened, but again, talking about, you know, directing choices, and I know some of it's editing, but in the kitchen scene in the beginning and they're getting ready, you shot through the window of the kitchen. Yeah. Like, and uh, I noticed that. The I glass? Like, I don't know if anyone, yeah. Oh, like, I noticed, I don't but the, well, the I glass think they wasn't the there? Glass, or? The glass wasn't there, so it's as if you were, like, yeah. looking in the window, right? Yeah, yeah, that scene, I recall doing that. Uh, and the reason I did that is because I had about 25 minutes to shoot that scene before they were going to pull the plug. Mm-hmm. So I put uh, both cameras outside the window, and I shot all the close-ups and stuff head-on with the master of it. And then ah, just cool. a lot of tight stuff to keep it moving. But the camera never moved or went anywhere. It just shot through the window. And um, that's how I was able to make the day with that scene as opposed to coverage like we normally do. Right. It was smart. And I liked, I mean, I thought Oh, thank awesome. you. Hadn't yeah. seen that you one know? before. So this is the first day of school. And I want right. to point out that this location is, um, mm. I believe, called Mount St. Mary. Was it not? Yeah. Um, up at the top of Brentwood, which is a beautiful was, campus. It's a nursing school. Yeah. And so the exterior is beautiful. And then mm-hmm. for, did you shoot the interiors of the school on I think at, we were at the on school the and then they copy them on set? Yeah. Or they were the, all on stage. Interior. Yeah. Manhattan th- Beach there. Okay. Yeah. I good. think they were on the stage, um, the classrooms. Yeah. They did, a, they did a good job on that production design, I thought putting them there. Yeah. I didn't go inside the school there. I was shooting in the hallways and stuff. And I was actually uh, using longer lenses to just mm-hmm. kind of compress it all then um, mm. looks, to make it, it looks bigger. just a little more rich. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, because it, everything has, you know, I mean, you get up places, you don't know what's going to happen, but the sun is blaring down or, you know, there's always a reason for what we do and why mm-hmm. we do what we do. And sometimes a change has to happen and you just got to run with it. So the first day of school, they um, they say this is going to be a nightmare. And then instantly um, Marissa and Summer say this is going to be a nightmare. That's one of those repeats. One of those yeah. lines. I have lines. a hard time with those. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I believed them. I would have believed it if just one person said it. <laughs> I would have been able to believe that everybody was going to be in a nightmare this year based on right. But it's nice that, you know, in case you missed it, there it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, entering school at this point, Marissa obviously has had the overdose and all of the stuff that right. happened. So she's coming into school with a lot of people judging and talking shit. But I just like how Summer has her back. Yeah. Like, Summer is, from the get-go. Is, <laughs> Summer's cool. You know, uh, <laughs> you did a good job with that role. You really well, did. thanks, Patrick. Yeah, you did. And, uh, you know, if anything, you brought energy. You brought, you brought... Uh, almost like we could feel you coming before you appeared. Um, there <laughs> well, was that's this, a big compliment. Thanks. Yeah, well, it's wonderful energy, and because you know, um, you know, Marissa would play it a little low and low key, and mm-hmm. she did mm-hmm. a lot of looking around and stuff, and there wasn't any really much there, you know. So you would constantly like you were a good anchor for her and to bring her through, and she you also, know, get her get her from thanks. one mark to the other. <laughs> She's got some pretty, pretty distinct one-liners. Hey, whores, oh, yeah. why don't you work another corner? Work another corner. Yeah. <laughs> one, one of my favorites. I couldn't yeah. get away with saying that today. <laughs> She's um, pretty fearless. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I was gonna say yeah. Summer's definitely fearless. That's a character <laughs> no, for that, sure. That was that was a good line. But was a good I think, line. I think character-wise, that was really great. That really was like 
okay, we know that you're taking care of her. You're going to be the mission for her. Because I love the way you, you, you know, you confront everybody, whether you confront Ryan or Luke. Mm-hmm. Anybody yeah. that's coming into her space, you stand up to in such, such a wonderful way. And then when it's you're mm-hmm. protecting your own space, you're a little more reserved. Although we get the point through your look. Through what you're right. what you're given on a look, you know, like with I think, Anna yeah. and stuff. So. <laughs> I think that's so true. She's pretty unfiltered, but then when it's about her, it's exactly. a different story. That's when you pull in, and which most people really do, right? You know, if you don't want to have conflict in the moment, right? I love some right. of the vulnerability that we're seeing from Ryan here. He's trying to convince Marissa, you know, to ditch the kickoff carnival mm-hmm. and let's just go. Like, you know, that's kind of, right. he doesn't, right. he's, everyone's so uncomfortable. And then at the end of that scene, you see that he's kind of standing there and you see that um, rant, or he, he's looking at that couple who's making out. And, By the way, oh, yeah. how did you get background to like fully make out with tongue? Because I noticed that and I was like, <laughs> oh, they really went for it. Like, was that a well, note from you, Patrick? Because- <laughs> no, no, no. You know, I think what it is, is that uh, that was a scripted moment for sure. Mm. Yeah. Uh, because, yeah. And, and that's, Two different scenes we're kind of talking about, I think, mm-hmm. um, because Ryan was, Is wasn't it? he? Re- yeah, because in this scene you're talking about with the kiss, he was reading a book and trying to get reading going. Oh, and then, okay, that comes later. And sorry. then, yeah, that comes <laughs> later, but that's okay. Um, let's talk about Oh, I'm about sorry. That yeah, we, we jump around here sometimes. <laughs> that's all right. I'm good with it. I'm good with it. But I just wanted to let you know I'm paying attention. Over the place. It's definitely a scripted beat, and, you know, we end up bringing in a specialty act, so to speak, of a boyfriend-girlfriend that know right. each other. Right. So it's not two that random people you put bring in and are like, make out. You, Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You know, and, you know, it's 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 fascinating to me that we do that. We, we bring them in. We say, okay, go for it. So, you know, the 80 people standing around. This, mm-hmm. These people have to kiss. So you kind of wait until it's kind of hot before you cut the camera, you know. <laughs> so people start out. And, and I've actually had this problem with that. Not problem, but I've had fun with this with uh, Peter and Kelly and certain scenes I've done with them uh, in shows that were coming up where they'd be kissing and stuff. And I wouldn't mm-hmm. cut the camera and I'd just go for it. And, you know, Kelly would beg me to cut the camera. Yeah. <laughs> She come up for her and say, you got to cut this back. That's actually in one of the blooper <laughs> reels. She's like, Are, can we cut? And Peter's like, no. Oh, nope. is it? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. they, they go at it in this episode. Well, They're I, fully I, hooking up. That, yeah, they morning. have yeah. a pretty sexy scene here. And, yeah. you know, close oh, up, yeah. I was like, she's wearing fishnets. That's pretty hot. Oh, really? Yeah. Was yeah. She? I didn't notice that. Yeah, Good in the morning. They had, they had great chemistry. Great chemistry. But oh, everybody, yeah. everybody in the show has somewhat of great chemistry, you know. I always had a little problem with Ryan because, you know, um, uh, you know, there's a certain air that he brings in and mm-hmm. you really have to kind of like run with it. And, you know, I wasn't sure whether after a note he was going to punch me or take the note. Uh, and I think he came into this character and he'd show up in character. So it was always hard to kind of loosen him up and get him to smile and stuff like that because he was, you know, he was always in this kind of like, I guess, in his head, you know, more so than in the spirit of the moment. So, mm. you know, it was always a little trying to tweak to get him to smile or whatever, you mm. know. Mm-hmm. It's some, I mean, he's, he's such, he is the cool boy from the wrong side of the tracks, but he still is in this brand new world. So maybe that awkwardness kind of lent, lent itself to him. You know, there's, no, there's I'm the fucking later. cool guy from the side of the track. <laughs> okay. I'm that guy. So I was oh. trying to bring, 
I'm trying to bring, and I, you know, I mean, look, I can go off. I'm, you know, I'm going to be 68 this year. Anyways, the idea <laughs> is that the the idea is that I was trying to influence him mm-hmm. into bringing a little more of his mystery mm-hmm. and a little uh, more of his romantic vibe uh, as opposed to his gangster vibe into the scene. Mm-hmm. And um, and 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 sometimes he would go there, but a lot of times he was resistant to go there. Huh. And and I I don't know what that was really about, but you know it was kind of a chore sometimes to make it happen. And that's not a dig. That's not a dig on. It. I'm just saying some people bring different shit. You know. I was young enough on this show. That I learned so much on this show, and it was with the attitude of I'm going to work and I'm going to take chances. And I'm going to experiment and it might fall flat or it might, you know, it might work. And, mm. and, right. and sometimes they, you know, I, I get notes and say they really like that. Continue with that. Or you could right. see yeah. that something you'd done before, all of a sudden it was reflected in a new script. So, right. so right. it was, you know, right. we don't learn from being perfect every time. We learn from trying different things. So, right. Anyway. Right. But again, it's something that you bring to it. That's mm-hmm. something, you know, y'all bring to it, which is right. great. Like, you know, in a way to me, it was like, um, I, you know, I love uh, Adam so much. And I think mm-hmm. he's so talented and I think mm-hmm. he's so creative. And and I would see him struggle with certain lines that he just couldn't get to say, that he, he personally just didn't want to say mm-hmm. right. and stuff. And um you know, and I, I used to say to him, dude, you're a great actor. You should just pretend you like the lines and Sam and we can get out of here. That's a voice of wisdom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Motivation. Yeah. yeah. What I also I liked about this episode was um, it introduces the, the trio of Anna, Seth and Summer, mm-hmm. yeah. which creates a fun triangle dynamic that obviously plays out for a while. Right. Uh, but yeah, that Anna tells, you know, Seth that she'll help train him. <laughs> <laughs> kind of reluctantly, but is it a way to stay close to him? Yeah, yeah reluctantly. And him. Summer's just treating him like shit still, you know, like <laughs> not giving him the time of day. But um, I, I, I really like that, uh, you know, this this starts to come whatever, come out in this episode. But there's a lot of other things going on. You know, uh, Ryan's really getting into school, so he wants to try out for the soccer team. Luke's plays the same position in the soccer team, so, you know, that's going to be an issue. Um, The Anna and Seth and Summer thing is progressing. Like, they're all in a class together. And I walk in and there's no seat and like Seth offers it up. I'm like, come on, dude. Like even me, like I'm like watching and I'm like, come on, like have some game, buddy. Like you can't just give up the seat, you know? And and this exchange I thought was, was funny with Anna and Summer who are obviously already going at it. You know, I'm like, sailing is not the quickest way to get anywhere. (laughs) Like just so stupid. But, um, uh, but I liked the dynamic starting and, um, she's like dishing it back to her and stuff. I did want to point out, um, just um, from the parent perspective, I really love that, you know, that we got to see um, Peter or Sandy in his lawyer um, role in the show. Mm. And this was mm-hmm. for me because I grew up in Orange County. I was I was aware of this and I, I had to point this out that the storyline for the Balboa, Balboa Heights, I think it parallels something called the Bolsa Chica Ecological Reserve. And it was a, a century worth of 
all kinds of oil drilling and development. I just think it's very smart that Josh always tends to reflect the realism um, of what Orange County is. And there is an ecological um, reserve there. And it's exactly what this storyline did. And, um, mm. and it just really, it really helps the audience understand this, who this character is, that Peter's going to stand up for what's right. And, and right. then you have Kirsten, who's a strong woman and, and formidable on her own. And there's such a deep mutual respect. Neither one is a pushover. And I just love that dynamic in this episode. They are a very cool couple, I think, mm-hmm. I think in the sense, both in, I mean, in their own lives, I'm sure, but in just television couple life, you do believe that Peter is that guy that's going to defend mm-hmm. the planet where Kirsten's going to definitely, you know, shake things up as well because she's a powerhouse. Right. And um, I also like the idea in the scenes that the confrontation scenes weren't these drawn out drama battles. Mm-hmm. It was just simple, plain, like she hits him in the chest with a bag saying, I brought you lunch. Mm-hmm. You get it. Yeah. You don't need to go any farther, you know? Yeah. She's pissed. And, and then when he comes in with flowers, you get it. You know, mm-hmm. he's trying to, you know, just kind of pull back. And the mark of a really healthy marriage is that they get it out and then they recover pretty quickly. And right. that's, right. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't damage because this is going to happen. And I just really love how they, you know, reflected that that's what, um, a healthy marriage is. Since I've been going on the Seth, Summer, Anna thing, mm-hmm. I just want to say there's the scene where they're in biology or whatever it yeah, is, the and there's one. a dead frog, right? Yes. And we had real dead frogs. Like, I don't know if you can get away with that now. I don't know what the deal is. I mean, if they're dead already, whatever. I don't know. PETA. For science. No. <laughs> For science. Uh, yeah. But um, so a little behind the scenes story we were shooting this episode. Obviously, there was a plethora of dead frogs. Um, it, and it was around my birthday. Um, and, you know, we were very much into having fun with each other. So it's my birthday and Adam got me a present, you know, and it was wrapped and he gave it to me. I was like, wow, well, that's really sweet. You know, that's kind of weird. Uh, and I opened it. And he wrapped a dead frog no. for me. Were you dating? For my birthday. At the I time? I don't know if we were dating yet or not. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, but that was like the first prank that set off like a spiral of pranks on set. Nice. But that was the first one where he, I guess, props gave him a dead frog. And he maybe I was like super grossed out by it when we were shooting. There had to have been a story, you know. I'm sure I was just like disgusted because anyway. But yeah, he wrapped it up all nice, or maybe, maybe he had somebody <laughs> do it, but uh, left it in my trailer. Oh my God. And I think it sat there for a while. I don't think I opened it right away. I didn't do it until <laughs> I got home, <laughs> which was even better. <laughs> and that was the beginning of the end. <laughs> uh, there were more pranks as the show, as the series went oh, on. Oh yeah. I have a picture <laughs> of the trailer door. I took like fake blood from prompts. It's like dye and like handprints, like like murder. It was really I love it. stupid, but we just kept going there. And I have proof of that one. So that's the one I can remember <laughs> mostly. But yeah, we all started having pranks with each other. <laughs> I think it's interesting. And I've seen it because I've moved through different casts all my life. Uh, but you do, you all become somewhat of a family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, for sure. Because you spend so much time together. Mm-hmm. And you spend so many hours away from your natural people. And it's like, you become this this tribe of pranks and 
drama and whatever, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but it's it's always impressed me, and I've been on a lot of a lot of different shows where that cast is so tight. Um, mm-hmm. It's it it makes everything just kind of move smooth. It just does, right. you know. And then, I mean, and, and this isn't just you, Rachel, but I just say, you know, then sometimes they become in relationships over seasons, you know. <laughs> so now you've heard of such new, a thing. <laughs> no, then you got all these other dramas going on. <laughs> And, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's like, it's, it's almost like working on another planet. It's like, I remember the first time I worked in New Zealand I was thinking, oh, am I still married? I'm over the international dateline. Mm-hmm. How does this, how does this work? You know, but mm-hmm. of course, you know, you, you end up, you know, just trying to find your way in life in, in these long hours. Right. And we become in relationships. We 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 break up relationships. We whatever yeah. you know. It's like a, it's like a normal world after a while mm-hmm. within right. the hub of a TV show. But it totally. gets close really quick when you're yes. spending yes, when does. you're spending but, you know fourteen hours. Yeah, a day together. for sure. Yeah. But I was very grateful to have gone through it at the time with Adam and have that support. And we kind of you know had the same experience at the same time. So. Being that mm-hmm. young and going through it together was yeah, a, it was a really cool thing. You know, you guys were cool. You guys were cool to hang with. You, you know, we're all right. like, yeah, for sure you were. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's it's again, you know, I I, God, so many times sitting out at four a.m. on that stage, <laughs> just trying to get done, and and by the pool house there, and it was mm-hmm. always. And, you know, I won't point fingers, but it always took a long time to light. And it always took all that <laughs> stuff. And we gave up a lot to give entertainment, you know. And I always remember, like, mm-hmm. even when we were shooting at the beach all nights or whatever mm-hmm. in the Oof. experience, yeah. I'd be sitting out at the beach and up there in Zuma or whatever by a lifeguard station with a fire going and the cast is near the fire doing a scene. I'm freezing my ass off the back <laughs> end of the camera. And I'm thinking to myself, Wow. I'm doing this for a group of people who are home at eight o'clock on a Thursday or Wednesday night or whenever it aired, and they're safe and they're this is what I'm doing this for. <laughs> I always and mentioned I go- to people that whenever you see a nighttime <laughs> scene, you have to remember we started at six PM and we probably finished at six, maybe even ten AM because Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what happened with the carnival in this episode. You oh, know, the yeah. carnival right. in this episode. Yeah, I was I was booked. That's my favorite act, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, just in color and production value yeah. and all that. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorites. Um, but uh, the fact of the matter is, it's where we we were in Marina del Rey. And we I took remember up that. A, yeah, we took yeah. up a parking lot. Uh huh. Figured out where the Ferris wheel was going to go. And Wait, all this did stuff. they did they do the own, their own? Carnival, yeah, carnival show. Yeah. yeah, carnival for it. Yeah. Carnival. It was huge. I mean, there's so much going on, and I yeah, that's what yeah. I really wanted to talk to you about because this was a huge also. A huge scene for the show, but also mm-hmm. a huge scene to shoot. You know, right. like right. everything was like, this was a really big one. <laughs> it was big. And we had a techno crane that would go up with the Ferris wheel and all that stuff. We didn't have right. drones so, then, so, right? No, no what? drones no. going on. So no. explain what a techno crane is. Like for techno those. crane is an extension. It's uh, it, It'll extend out to like, you can get them at 30 feet. Uh, mm-hmm. 50 feet, 85 feet. And we had like an 85 foot one to get up to the top with the, mm-hmm. where we could meet wheel, them yeah. in the seat and have right. this beautiful view behind them. Um, it was very well uh, choreographed, everything I thought. And um, for me, 
that morning I had my radiation at 5.30 a.m. Mm-hmm. And to your, what you said about coming in at six, my call wasn't until six wow, that yeah. night. So that day I was a little off. Um, mm. So I was up already. And then I showed up at like five o'clock to figure my night out, really mm-hmm. where everything I had to shoot. And it was summertime. So we only had like nine hours, really. Right. Mm-hmm. Nine or 10 hours at the most. It was only one evening shooting the whole carnival? Yeah. yeah. It was just really? one night. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. yeah. They had three three nights for just one party in the in the pilot. <laughs> yeah, well, yay, Doug. Um, <laughs> lucky him. Right. Doug Lyman, who directed the pilot, yeah. But anyways, so I was a little off anyways, but I'm just saying, you know, once we got there and I started working there, the, when you're up in the the uh, Ferris wheel, mm-hmm. and there's one shot where you look down and you see those spinny spin and all that where mm-hmm. Ryan's supposed yeah, to get. Yeah, the tilt-a-whirl, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. So that was the last shot of the night, and that was right when it was dawn, okay? <gasps> that was right. That last shot was at dawn. And you're wow. racing. Racing. <laughs> and then, and I couldn't be late for radiation the next morning. So I, was, oh. I went right from there to radiation again. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, but anyways, I'm just saying, it's like, we go, we do it, we make it happen, we try mm-hmm. to get it done within a certain amount of time, and we have to. Right. So, and you're really hoping everything will go smooth. You know, you're right. really hoping that somebody could throw that ball on the, you know, that whatever that game was, you know, and hit the thousand point <laughs> yeah. mark. Mm-hmm. You're really hoping somebody could do that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember we waited around for people to do it. I don't know. Prop guy did it. A few people tried it. <laughs> you know, it's like burning up time. I'm going, shit, man, I got to do this yeah. and that. And we're trying to get this insert, you know. Right. But this, well, this was their first kiss, Ryan and Marissa. Yeah. So this was like a big moment. Like, you know. It was really a big moment. Yeah. And, and. The only thing I could say, the only thing I could say to Ryan was think of Luke. No, just kidding. (laughs) Uh, I just said. (laughs) This this joke keeps coming up for some reason. Uh, Yeah. That keeps that everyone was in love with Luke or that Ryan was in love with Luke. I think so. I think that's where, I think that's where it should have gone. But, you know, I'm not a writer. I'm not a showrunner. You know, that would have, that would have been my choice. I think that would have been great. Maybe a little early before it's time, but. I want to say that, (laughs) I mean, Misha was so photogenic and beautiful, but particularly in the, in the, um, in the Ferris wheel, there was just the this lighting ethereal, and, yeah. beautiful, like, and when they kissed, I was like, yes, finally. You feel it. I actually cried watching this episode when they kissed on the Ferris wheel. And I was actually texting with Ben McKenzie and Josh Schwartz yesterday or whenever it was. And, and I told him I just watched the Ferris wheel and I was crying. And Aww. I just like, I don't know, you know, it's just really just the emotion behind it and the time and the song, which was paint. The Silence by South, we've learned. Um, it just leaves such a lasting impression right. in how you shot it and how beautiful it looked and how beautiful they were and how he it doesn't was. even notice. It, you know, he was afraid it, of heights. He doesn't even notice it because he's kissing <laughs> Marissa. It's just very I, sweet. It was a, it was a um, classic storybook moment and mm-hmm. um, yeah. fairy tale moment. Up For there. sure. And, um, you know, I think if I had... I would have I would have done a few more choices if I had the time and in mm-hmm. anxiety levels and eyes closed mm-hmm. and open and stuff, you know. Um, right. Sometimes you just even as an episodic director, you just don't get enough time to really 
try and get there in a different fashion or a different mold, you know, or, or yeah. at least have something else to present. I got the best I could out of that. And I, I was happy with the ending of it. I really oh, yeah. was. Right. And all the movement yes. and the color and where we were in the environment. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful to watch to me. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> me too. Me I'm a too. huge, I'm a fan yeah. of the show and, and I yeah. do enjoy, you know, rewatching it. Um, it's been such a pleasure. I know we should end with the kiss, but at the carnival, oh, the yeah. Seth, uh, Anna thing, you know, and she kisses him because okay. she really wants to tell him she likes him. I have to say, he gives her the sock monkey he won. And me personally, watching it, even though I was summer on the show or whatever, I was like, you have to be with Anna. Like, I fully felt that. They played that so well. Samira Armstrong, who is Mm -hmm. Anna, and Adam Brody. Like, I just felt it. And I just had to say that they did an awesome job. And I was rooting for them (laughs) watching it. Well, Um, I I think that also, you know, that brings up for me. Because I remember when it came to a point of where they had to make a choice, I think. mm -hmm. Right. uh, In story. Yeah, they did. Where this was all going to go. So I think your instinct was right to actually believe that as an audience, yeah. as a fan yeah. or whatever. Um, and me too. Because I questioned it in the, in the sense of like, huh, shouldn't he, even when I watched it, I said, he should have brought that over to Summer. Right. I think that would have really helped him to bring right. that over, you know. Right. Um, but <laughs> but no, sh- now I see, I see the master plan as I right. watch it. Right. But he, but what, what ultimately is, is happening is he doesn't quite realize the feelings he's starting to have for her, they're becoming genuine mm-hmm. and they're really, here's, here's for my friend. So is she, you know, I, I, I love that the audience was torn. There was definitely mm-hmm. some team Anna and team summer. Yeah. Well, I'm starting to think when in doubt, give the monkey to Luke. I, that's what I think. <laughs> Luke is the or... fallback in all areas. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's just like, Luke's our man. Luke. Luke's Luke's our our man. man. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. We love Chris Carmack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. I actually got to work with Chris on Nashville later on. In time. Right. Yeah. So did I. Wait, Patrick, I was on Nashville for a minute, but I don't think you did any you, of that. Uh, you were there after they learned how to hate me. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. But that, that said, uh, yeah, I, I know you went You went and did Nashville too. I did. I did. Yeah. I did it for a minute and I got to work with Chris again, which was so cool. There you go. Um, yeah, he's just the best. Such I a good guy. Your resume had so many shows that I've done that I actually went through our resumes to see if possibly you had directed any of the, the ones. Connection. That, yeah, and I'm like, there was a Chuck and a Vampire Diaries, and I was like, nope, 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 never <laughs> found one. But we got to work with you. Well, on this. we got that moment in the OC. That's yes. always a blessing. Absolutely. <laughs> you know. Well, we do. Do we want to uh, give Patrick some questions, Min? Yeah. Are these mm-hmm. like things that I'll really know, or yeah, you would I know. don't know. Well, from yeah, the because OC? they're from they're from this mm-hmm. episode. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, good. Just remember, there's been a lot of weed between then and now. So, you know, <laughs> Even better. Let's hear what you come up with. <laughs> That's a recurring theme on this show, we're finding. <laughs> That's right. I know. <laughs> Apparently, everyone was just really stoned. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead, Mind. You take the Go. first one. Okay. Um, how long has Seth liked Summer? Oh, uh, I thought he liked her for a long time. Like, <laughs> like for, you know, I don't, I actually don't know. <laughs> I don't know the answer to this. I know that he liked her for the first 32 minutes of my show. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know the, I thought it was during the summer that he actually connected whether off camera, sort of speak, but I don't know. Um, no, actually since he was 10, 
It was, I think wow. it's a, it's a line I think in the, he says, in the script. Yeah, it's yeah. a line since in the episode. He says, I've liked her since I was 10. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, here's another one. See if you know this one. Is Ryan team cotton candy or funnel cakes? Oh, for sure. Cotton candy. There you go. For sure. Yes, that is correct. <laughs> I had to look. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> and what soccer position is Ryan playing in this episode? Oh, uh, uh, splinter? Or, uh, <laughs> Close. Let's start called? with an S. Striker. 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 That's it. I wasn't a soccer player. I'm, I'm not a sports guy. <laughs> not, not. But you have Wait. that poster behind you of uh Oh, well, LeBron and, poster. And, and Kobe are my men. They're the... Yeah. They're, they're, That's understandable. That is... Yes. Yep. Yeah. Those guys are my, my, uh, if I was to be into sports, they would be my gods. You know Very what? Good. That is a, a good choice. Very for good. sure. Yeah. <laughs> I just love what they bring to the world. And I, mm-hmm. I miss, you know, yeah. like we always used to go to see Kobe in games. So I miss him tremendously. But, you know, I just love who they are in spirit and in mm-hmm. life. So, yeah. That's awesome. Well, we love who you are in spirit and in life. And we thank you so much for sharing and being so honest and brutally. And I love that. And um, yeah. Well, that's sweet. Thank you for having Mm -hmm. me. I've I've really, like I said, I've really enjoyed being and just getting the call to come do this. (laughs) We get to make people. Phenomenal. Patrick, we we just love you. We love you. Thank Thank you. you so much. And I really hope I get to see you soon. Yes. Oh, you will sooner or later. Yeah. Sooner or later. All right, you guys. Thank Have you a great, so much. great day. You're Thank a gem. you. Thank you. Uh-huh. Anyways, everybody, <laughs> yeah. we are going to listen to some voicemails of um, some lovely people that have called in to ask us some questions. Okay. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Melinda. I'm Niskafix, and I have a question on both of you. What was your the most awkward moment while recording the OC? Something which was really unpleasant to you. Something comes to my head instantly. You go first. Yeah, go. Well, um, we'll talk about it when we get there, but the whole, and I know that it was really well received, but the whole Julie did a porno was really (laughs) awkward. Why would that be awkward, Mindy? (laughs) And then, and then I remember having to do the scene and it was, um, and I think it was kind of Josh's tease to Doug Lyman. It was the porn identity and she's got amnesia. And it's like, <laughs> I have amnesia and a pizza boy. And then I actually had to do a scene that was e- extremely uncomfortable for me. But I don't know why. <laughs> I just don't get it. There you go. <laughs> That's actually awesome. Gosh, I don't know. The, only, the first thing that came to my mind was just dressing up as Wonder Woman, like having to put the whole thing on. It, you know, it's a little awkward. Fully, like I had so much hair, yeah, and so much makeup, and the whole bodysuit and everything. I and any, remember anytime that. people bring it up, yeah, anytime people bring it up, I'm like, oh god, you know, like I had to be in the full on getup, and it definitely wasn't something that I was like, yeah, like I'm wondering. I was more right. like, oh my god, this is kind of embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> Not a porno, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I thought it was going to be a difficult um, storyline, but then I'd read like that, that you know, in some magazine, they're like, the best storyline recently on the OC is this. I'm like, really? Okay. <laughs> People want to see Julie Cooper in porn. What can I say? <laughs> oh, I'm turning bright red. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go to the next question. Okay. Let's stop embarrassing you. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Melinda. Uh, my name is Annabelle. I am talking from Brazil. 
Um, I was really happy when I heard about the podcast. I think it's going to be a huge success mm -hmm. and I hope all the best for you. Um, okay, about my question, I was wondering, um, would you say that the show can still talk to teenagers and young adults? Um, can they still relate to the characters' problems, dilemmas? Um, what do you think? Um, thanks a lot. Mm. I'm going to freak out if I if I hear my question <laughs> on the air. Um, thanks a lot. Love you. Bye. Uh -huh. That was sweet. Thank you for calling in, by the way. That's adorable. Um, well, Mindy, having had a teenage daughter exactly. kind of go through high school, you can probably speak well, to this. Well, I think, um, first of all, these are universal themes. And my, and I think I've said this before, that my daughter refused to watch it until a few years ago. She's 21 now, but um, she didn't watch it until she was 18, probably because I kept telling her she should watch it. But mm -hmm. when she finally did, she loved it. And she said, I finally understand what you're saying, mom, about it being, you know, smart and funny and has an extra little unique essence as opposed to some of the other shows that she was used to watching, teen shows. So from the... Um, testimony of my daughter. Yes, they definitely can relate. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes, I would agree. Okay. <laughs> the, the, the issues, I mean, yeah. I mean, they're all, I think, still things kids go through. That was so fun. I love having different so perspectives fun. from different, from I our know. actors and, and writers, producers. Which, yeah. 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 Really, really cool to get everyone's take. Um, and especially this episode, which was such a pivotal one in the first kiss and everything and having power. Shopify presents cool sheets from aha to I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat induced insomnia. That was my aha moment. Bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible. Signing up on Shopify. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash podcast 22. Shopify.com slash podcast 22. Patrick, who we all adored tremendously. Do yes. it. And we're so happy he came on. Absolutely. So thanks for joining us today. And hopefully you, you will all... Um Hi, everyone. It's Rabia Chaudhry. And I'm Ellen Marsh. And we have a new podcast called Rabia and Ellen Solve, Solve the, case. the Case. As you know, I am a very smart lawyer. You are. You're so well-respected in the entire world. You know everything. Thank you so much. And as you know, I'm a famous Broadway star. Gorgeous. I sing like a nightingale. Well, yes. at least that's what your mom says. <laughs> Just kidding. This is Ellen Marsh. And, and I'm Rabia. Rabia But we are teaming up to bring you a show like you have never heard before. True crime meets talk show. Nobody's done it. We're going to do it. We're going to do the impossible. And it's the two things that I love. Ellen, I think you'll like it too. What? True crime and talking? Yeah. I'm there. Every other week, we will have a guest talking about whatever true crime case they are obsessed with. We have a list, everything from the Lacey Peterson murder. Yeah, some of the most famous cases you've ever heard of, obviously, like John JonBenet Ramsey, the West Memphis Three. Chris Watts, Khalif Browder. Elisa Lamb, Madeline McCain. Sandra Bland, the Springfield Three. The list goes on and on. But they are all cases that you know, and we are going to dive in deep with someone else and just talk about them. No, 
We're going to solve the case, Ellen. That's right. We're going to solve the case. So subscribe to Rabia and Ellen Solve the Case wherever you get your podcasts.